You know, the retirement planning world is filled with plenty of advice and suggestions, but there are a couple of crucial questions that kind of lurk in the shadows. We'll call these the unasked or the overlooked questions about retirement planning. Uh, these are questions that can help define the comfort and security of your retirement future, yet they go unaddressed. Well, on today's episode, we're going to unearth and tackle some of these hidden but essential questions about retirement. Stay tuned. Thanks for being here on Your Retirement Elevated. Let us help you reach your peak in retirement. It's time for your retirement elevated. Hey, welcome to another edition of the podcast. Walter Storholt here alongside Scott Dugan, of course, the co-founder and managing partner of Elevated Retirement Group, serving you throughout the Kansas City metro area, but also with clients all across the country. Scott, good to be back with you for another episode. What's up in your life, my friend? Hey, we're cruising into uh, fall which is one of my favorite times of the year. My favorite here month Midwest. here in October. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. Like uh, we have one, maybe two more warm, warm days, and it's like high in the 70s. So yes. it's going to be looking yes. forward to that. Wonderful. Yeah, I think the cold front that's hitting us today is on the way to you, my friend. So give it, give yeah. it another day, and it'll march across our states and be there for you. Gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> well, excellent. Uh, well, much like a cold front, we can't see it, but we know it's there. Oh, look at that segue, Scott. It could not have been more, more beautiful. We're Talk- rim shot in the background. I know, Drum right? Roll, exactly. Uh, we're talking about those hidden questions. They're out there. They need to be talked about and asked, yet sometimes they don't get addressed. So we've got at least five to cover on today's episode. So let's jump in, Scott. First one on the list. And, and this is really important if you're preparing for retirement. Obviously, we want to get good answers, but sometimes we got to know the right questions to ask. So what about these hidden ones? That's what we want to kind of uncover for you today. So the first one I've got on my list, Scott, is how much are my tax-deferred savings going to cost me in taxes come retirement time. A lot of people kind of ignore that tax deferred issue that pops up later in life. That's a great question, Walter. And, you know, the genesis of this episode, you know, I've I've been teaching retirement planning classes and dealing with doing retirement planning for two plus decades. And these are the questions that pop up quite frequently, or these are questions that get asked when I teach a class. And this really surprisingly it happens more and more is that you know we all put our heads down we we try to save we try to be good with money and really the goal is to have a nest egg to give us that job optional lifestyle right because we want to live off of our assets and our social security maybe a pension and so when we get that, look at that statement you know we go into fidelity and our ira says one million dollars well, we say, oh my gosh, you know, I've, I've got a million dollars in an IRA, but do we really? Yeah, we have it on paper. But remember that that money that we take out has to go through what we call a tax transition. And the tax transition means it's got to come out of the account, go into your bank account. And when that happens, that's going to show up on your tax return on your 1040. And so we don't necessarily know how much of that is going to be yours in your pocket. And because, again, a lot of people just haven't considered the fact that only a portion of it is theirs. And there's a big chunk of it that belongs to the Internal Revenue Service. And so that's really dives into tax planning and doing forecasting say, hey, you've got this large IRA, but how much of that are you going to keep? How much of that, when we pull it out, is going to be spendable? So for every dollar you take out, 
Are you going to keep a dollar of it? Are you going to spend, get to spend 80 cents of it, 70 cents of it? Uh, so those are the types of calculations and the process that we walk people through to they get a really good idea of how much of this is going to be spendable income that to support your lifestyle, because it's not what you have. It's what you get to keep and spend that counts. That's so important. That mind shift that needs to take place in retirement, and we need to make sure that taxes are addressed in any financial plan. It is why we address it so much here on the show. But that tax-deferred piece especially gets ignored by a lot of people, or they just don't know to ask that kind of question. So you can see where we're going with today's episode, uncovering these hidden retirement planning questions. Here's number two for you, Scott. Uh, How much can I withdraw from my savings each year kind of goes back to what you were just talking about so much focus on like income and, and what's earning uh what kind of return we're getting but but really that withdrawal rate kind of gets ignored by a lot of people planning for retirement yeah, it does and i think the and i will point my finger at wall street banks and things in general that we're very focused on making sure people accumulate assets which is is very very important you've got to accumulate those assets to have a nest egg to retire on but most of that advice that you read about or listen to is about accumulation. It's not really distribution. And we are squarely focused in the sector of life where our clients are moving from work and going into retirement and a period of time where they're going to live off of their assets and their income streams. And so a lot of anxiety comes from people not knowing, Hey, am I going to be okay? Is my money going to last? Am I taking too much risk? Am I taking too little risk? Uh, And all those questions, and if I'm going to have a health issue, it's going to cost a lot of money. Those causes anxiety because it's an erosion potentially of our safety net, our resources. And so the whole process starts with what does it look like to live the retirement lifestyle you expected and dreamt about? What is it going to cost? There's a cost to that. And once you go through that process and understand, hey, this is what I, I'm going to require from my nest egg to make my dreams a reality. There's a number there. And so you may need Social Security plus 40000 You may need your Social Security checks plus $100,000. So it's going to be different for everyone, but you've got to go through that exercise to figure out what do you want? What are your resources and what is a safe, dependable, predictable amount of money that you can take from your nest egg and put that in your checking account every month to pay for your lifestyle? What's that number that you can feel comfortable and confident about? And do you have a process that's established to monitor that to make sure that you've got guardrails up where you're operating between the guardrails and those guardrails depending on how you know, risk adverse someone is, you know, they're going to be narrow or if you're really risk, risk averse, you know, you, you like a lot of risk, it could be a lot wider. Uh, but again, it, it comes down to how much of your money are you going to need to consume on a consistent basis to fund the lifestyle you want. That's a whole process we go through to determine what that is. So again, so you can know that number and sleep well at night, knowing that paycheck's going to go in there every month, just like when you're working. 
Yeah, it's so important to think about. And uh, also, it's just, uh, I find it interesting that we don't just think about this income from one source, but you get this variety of sources, and there are more efficient ways uh, to then withdraw those assets and uh, and pull down those numbers. And so you really want to go through that exercise that defines uh, those various ways can be incredibly helpful. All right, uh, number three on our hidden questions list here about retirement planning. Should I still have life insurance when I'm retired? This isn't necessarily, well, I guess it's an unasked question or a hidden question because most people, I guess, just have assumptions about what they should do with life insurance at that time. Oh, definitely. And I think it also depends on how you view life insurance. Uh, With us, it's just a tool. It's just a tool in a toolbox that gives us a desired outcome. And if your thought process about life insurance was, hey, while I'm working, um, I'm going to have some term insurance. And if something happens to me, I pass away. Well, this pot of money is deposited, you know, example, my wife, and then that pot of money will replace my income and take care of her because I'm not here to produce that cash flow. Or you could have term insurance that says, Hey, you know, we have need enough term insurance to pay off our mortgage balance if something happens. And so that's a lot of people think about life insurance in that respect, you know, providing for a spouse, providing a replacement for income or paying off a house or a debt if something happened prematurely. And so I think it depends on your situation. If we are going to have life insurance in someone's retirement plan, we want it to cover more than one base, right? So if we have life insurance uh, or recommendation, or we already have current life insurance, we're structuring in the plan, uh, here's some of the things that we would potentially use it for. Like we talked about earlier, it could be replacement income. Uh, So you've got a life insurance policy that say you've got a pension and depending on your pension option, if your pension benefit goes away when you pass away, it may make sense to have a life insurance benefit that kicks in, refills the pension bucket and takes care of your spouse. If you are a married couple, have two social security checks, you lose one spouse, you only get to keep the larger of the two social security checks. So you're left with one check. Maybe you want a life insurance benefit to supply a bucket of money that replaces that social security benefit. It could be used for long-term care purposes. We have had David McKnight on this podcast. We've had him come to our, uh, speak to our clients. And he talked about uh, in his system, the power of zero, moving money from a taxable scenario like an IRA into what he calls a LERP, a life insurance retirement plan. And those are different than having a you know term insurance on your to protect your mortgage balance. This is a properly structured insurance contract that's designed to keep the death benefit low, the cash value high, and provide a death benefit. Well why would we want to do that? We want the death benefit to be as low as possible. So we can build up cash value. We could take that money out of the policy done correctly and take it out tax-free, just like taking money out of a Roth IRA. All right. And if we structure it correctly, we put money into it over time, we can take money out of it over time, uh, then it's a, a place to pull money from that's non-taxable. So that, that's smart. It provides a death benefit that can be used for two different things or more than one, excuse me, more than one thing in the scenario. Maybe it is income replacement if we lose a spouse, but what about tax planning? What if we've done as much tax planning as possible 
And at the death of the first spouse, the life insurance policy pays off, gives you a tax-free death benefit. And let's say we apply a portion or all of that tax-free death benefit to pay off all the deferred taxes that are left in your IRA or 401k. And why would you want to do that at the death of the first spouse? Because that's the last year that your surviving spouse is going to be able to file married filing jointly. And so you've got a lot more room on your 1040 for tax planning uh, in that year of passing. So it could be used for tax planning at the death of the first spouse. We sometimes will use what's called a second to die policy. It's very technical. Once you're both gone, the net death benefit pays out. And instead of paying down the tax burden on the surviving spouse, we're cleaning up any remaining tax burden for the kids or grandkids. So if you go back to that number one, how much of your tax burden savings is going to cost you? Well, if you pass away and you leave a million dollar IRA to kids or grandkids, well, that tax liability doesn't go away. It's all taxable over a period of time. And so structuring that life insurance uh, to pay off you know, with a tax-free death benefit can be smart planning for the right situation. It's not right for everybody, uh, but it fits for people in the right scenario. And the final thing we see life insurance used for uh, is long-term care. And so I think we all know that, and we're going to talk about that here today, that you know, health care can be expensive if life expectancy keeps uh, increasing, then the possibility of long-term care increases. So with that death benefit, with your specially structured insurance contract, you have what's called a living benefit or an accelerated benefit. And what that allows you to do is go in, access that death benefit while you're alive. And so let's say you've got a $400,000 death benefit on your life insurance policy and you go into long-term care, we can start tapping into that policy and they all vary, but they're all the ones that we use are very similar in the, the details. Um, let's say we need to take out $100,000 roughly per year and we do that for two years. Well, if we started with $400,000 death benefit, we took out $200,000 of that death benefit while you're alive. That comes out tax-free and that pays for health care. Let's say we pass away, 400 minus 200 leaves $200,000 in residual tax-free benefit to the surviving beneficiaries. So there's a way to structure and use the proper types of insurance contracts where it can provide a tax-free repository of money to draw from for either income or withdrawals in retirement. It could supply a long-term care benefit for us or our spouse, or it could provide a tax savings benefit. And so we look at it, those are allow for three exit strategies of your funds from that. Meaning we need it for income, we need it as a death benefit, or we need it for long-term care. I like those odds. And I would wrap it up and say, today's life insurance, especially with interest rates where they are today, it's not just about the death benefit. And Walter, I know we've talked about this before, but do you think about you know phones today, right? A phone today is dramatically different than a phone 30 years ago. 
Do you remember what phones looked like 30 years ago? Yeah, they were about the uh, the size of uh, I don't know, um, you know, the the size of your steering wheel. <laughs> yeah, they were or, large. Or they had a cord on them. Or a cord. I guess it wasn't yeah. even a cell phone yeah. technically at that point. What right? a cell phone? Yeah, you yeah. go go way back, and they had the corded phone dials, and you, ha- you hoped that it had a long cord so you could stretch it around the corner so your parents couldn't hear you talk. That's right. That's right. You want it. I, I so, kind of missed the rotary dial, by the way. There was something about the suspense <laughs> of, you know, coming back each time. I'm surprised. I'm surprised to come back around. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You but would think, think retro wise, that would be back now. Retro, come, bring it back. It'll hey, be, that's an app idea. IPhone. Make an app that has app, it on the, yeah. on the phone. Yeah. That'd be great. Rotary dial. Million dollar idea. Amazing. You know? But think about, I rarely make phone calls on my quote phone today. What do I use my phone for? You text in the internet, right? Internet. I take pictures. I get directions. So a phone is not just a phone today. A phone does many other things. Life insurance today does many other things and provide a death benefit. Mm. Food for thought. It is good. Good food for thought. By the way, I just looked it up to see if we could capitalize on our million dollar idea. Um, not not going to happen. Already exists. So somebody ah. somebody beat us to it. There's always it's always somebody else who was first, right? Amazing. Walter, what if someone figured out a time machine and they traveled back and listened to this podcast? That's where they got the idea from. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now you're just you're, you must have watched a, a time travel movie recently. It's got your mind thinking mind that blowing. Way. Yes. <laughs> Well, you, you already teased the uh, the healthcare part of the conversation and long-term care and those kinds of things. So that happens to be number four on our list of hidden questions. What kind of medical coverage will you need over and above Medicare? A lot of people don't even think to ask, yeah, what else do I need in addition to Medicare? Because they think Medicare is it. This is the month for it. We're, we're here in October. If you're you know encroaching 65 or over, you're already bombarded. Uh, by direct mail, TV commercials, radio commercials, you know, because open enrollment's coming up. Uh, so this is the fast and furious time coming up for Medicare, Medicare Advantage. And I would say that, yes, that's a, it's a complex subject. There's a lot of marketing and sales messages out there and not a lot of good, solid research and data out there. Because we get questions about this all the time, and you know that's why we've got a fantastic resource. You know, here, uh, Elevated Retirement Group. We work with Courtney Dale and her team. She deals with healthcare pre sixty five. Uh, you know, five to ten years away from health. You know, going under Medicare, and she specializes in that sixty five plus, helping people decide what makes the most sense. Do you go down that route of traditional Medicare, you know, parts A and B for hospital and doctor, uh, part D for prescription drugs, and then adding a supplement to cover what Medicare doesn't, you know, all the costs that they cover? Uh, Do you go that route and get more of like the Cadillac type of plan? Or if you're in in an area, geographic area that a Medicare Advantage makes more sense, lower premium, better network, those are the I think the big questions people have is which one makes the most sense and it depends. And that's why I encourage, you know, to reach out to, to us on that. We will, you know, connect you with Courtney and her team to walk through if you're getting ready to go on to Medicare to help you make those decisions. 
And if you are on Medicare, making sure that what you have is still appropriate, still the best thing for you. And so you're going to see some messages coming out from us about that here pretty quick. Uh, but I think it's uh, that time of the year. So stay tuned and uh, we'll definitely walk you through any of those steps uh, to make sure you've got what's best for you and your family. That time of year to start thinking about the end of the year and the right moves to make. So always helpful to uh, put those things under consideration over the next couple of months. I know we'll be hitting on those topics as usual, Scott. All right, last one for today. Number five, our hidden questions about retirement planning. This isn't an exhaustive list, but five key ones to be thinking about today. How much am I really paying in fees and commissions? This isn't something to necessarily panic about, right, Scott? But it is something that should be on our radar and at least asking the question. Absolutely, because everything has a cost to it. Right? Whether you hire a financial professional to guide you through the process or you do it yourself, there's a cost. Because if you do it yourself, your time is worth something. And if you hire a professional, you're not necessarily, you want to know what it costs, but you ultimately want to make sure you're receiving value for what you're paying. I think that applies to everything. And we want to make sure that it's a valuable transaction both ways, uh, that, that the client is ultimately getting value for what guidance and information they're receiving. And the financial professional needs to be rewarded for that accordingly. And so that's why we always start out uh, prospective relationships with doing an analysis of their current situation to look under the hood and figure out, hey, what are you really paying today? And are you getting value for that? And compare that to what it would look like to work with us or another professional. And so I think that's where we really have to look at, I guess, we're, what are we paying? What are we paying for? Because a lot of times the the fees that we're paying are for investment advice, investment recommendations. Well, is that the end all the be all or are there more important things? Why do we talk about income planning, making good decisions about social security, about your pension decisions if you have one, how to withdraw and structure and pull money out correctly from different types of accounts like your, your brokerage account, your IRA account, your Roth account. How do we invest after we understand what we need from our portfolio to make our plan work from a dollars and cents standpoint? How much risk do we need to take? What is the minimum rate of return you need to make to make your plan work? You know, what's that baseline? Are you saving as much in taxes as possible? Is your tax return being analyzed? Are you looking for things year after year to make sure that you keep more of your money in your pocket? Are you integrating those ideas and planning with your medical coverages your and medical exposure do you have strategies out there to help protect against health care costs long-term care costs and finally is there coordination between all of your plans and your legal documents and your estate plan that's where the value comes in is coordinating all of those areas and making sure that are you on the right track as we talked we have been down this road before we know what questions don't get asked. We know the things you probably should ask because we've done it over and over and over with people just like you. So 
we want to have a proactive relationship where we are bringing these things up before they're an issue. We're helping guide you through the process so you don't have to be blindsided by them. And so that's what I would say that when you make sure that the advice you're getting, you're getting true value and it's making a large impact on your overall situation. So important, so key uh, to make sure that you're uncovering these hidden questions and asking them. Here's the good news. If you don't know all the hidden questions that you need to ask, Scott does. He helps uncover those through the planning process, working with you one-on-one to navigate through retirement's toughest questions and figuring out the right path ahead. If you've got questions and want to reach out and begin that planning process or just make a couple of basic inquiries first, you can certainly do that. Uh, Go online to listentoscott.com. Lots of great information for you on the show website. That's listen to scott.com or give a call to 913-393-4724. You can schedule a complimentary review of your financial plan today. That's 913-393-4724. All that contact info is in the description of today's show. Find it easily there. Scott, thanks for all the help on this edition of the uh, Your Retirement Elevated podcast. Much appreciated. And uh, we'll look forward to chatting again soon. Sounds great. All right. Come back and join us on the next episode. Folks, we'll be breaking down money mistakes that you're going to regret and even better, how you can avoid them. We'll talk about that and more coming up on the next edition of the podcast. Until then, for Scott, I'm Walter. We'll see you next time. Investment advisory services offered through Elevated Capital Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor.